This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs on Sports Radio 810 WHB. What I've done is help athletes be the best they can be. We work on giving you that winning edge, that mental edge that will help you realize your potential. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for over 30 years as a sports psychologist. This is the first time I've ever listened to it. I'm on my way to church, and I said, i got to pull over and talk. Right now is your chance to call Dr. Jacobs for free help with any sports-related problem. It's a wonderful form, and I, I'll, it's must be a radio for me every time I, I'm in the camp city. And this show is about you. It's about having fun, working hard, building self-confidence, having the right attitude, being a good teammate, being a good parent, and being a good coach. Now, here's the sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everyone. I'm sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and welcome to our show here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. As you know, I am here every Sunday from 7, 8 a.m., wide awake and ready to talk with you about the mental side of sports. This show is about you, and it's about mindsets and attitudes and focus, mental preparation, about getting along with people, about respect. It's about success and failure, winning and losing. And I look forward to doing the show each and every week with you and talking about the mental side of sports. I've been in practice for 36 years now as a sports psychologist in Kansas City. Actually, I am going to correct myself. This is my 37th year, starting in uh, Labor Day was the beginning of my 37th year now. I'm getting old. Anyway, I've been doing this a long time. I've been on the radio for 26 years. This is my 16th year here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. And I really enjoy doing this show with you every week because, you know what, we talk about the things that are going on in the world of sports, and we talk about success and failure. And obviously this past week, last Sunday, we talked about uh, what I said about the NFL, what was going to go on, and, and that's been a heavily talked about topic this week. And it will be something we will delve into even more in the future. Um, unfortunately, it's become more of a problem than an issue in our society with so many people saying so many negative things. Um, you know, we have a lot of issues in our country that affect people, and one of the things that happens is all these things affect kids. And I, as you know, am really big on working with kids, working with youth on the mental side of sports, on having fun, enjoying the youth sports experience. You know, our, the book that we wrote, Just Let Them Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes Through Youth Sports, that I co-authored with Royals Hall of Famer Jeff Montgomery and Olympic swim coach, Hall of Fame swim coach Pete Malone, you know, which we've had out for now over a year and a half. And we've gotten really good reviews on it from a lot of people about, because, because we talk about so many different topics in there. And one of the things we talk about is sportsmanship, and we talk about coaching kids effectively and and how you can make the youth sports experience fun because you know what here's the thing professional athletes are people who have survived in our society today it's not like it was 30 40 years ago in my opinion there are people who've survived we've got kids starting sports at age two and three we've got parents pushing kids to join elite teams at age four and five we have all these traveling teams going on all over the place. We've got these pressures on kids to be really good at such young ages. And to me, <clears throat> excuse me, I've got something in my throat this morning. We, we've, got <clears throat> we've got problems in the sense that, in my opinion, and this is what I've seen in my, my career and the work I've done, 
there's more and more pressure on kids today to be so perfect and to be so good. And failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. I'm here every Sunday, along with my producer, Rudy Salazar, who very is very wide awake and ready to go each week. Right, Rudy? Yeah, this <clears throat> morning's been a little bit tougher than most mornings. Yes, but you're smiling and ready to go. <laughs> I had a 12-hour work day yesterday, so I'm I'm dead. I got home at like midnight, so I'm I am tired. I'm proud of you for getting here on time then this morning. Thank you very much. I set five alarms just making sure I don't oversleep. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be good. Um, you know, as I said... I, I like to talk about the world of youth sports, and a few weeks ago I ran into a young lady whom I've known for a long time at the grocery store, and I said, when are you going to come on my show? As I've asked her before, and she's always sort of put me off because she didn't want to come on here because it's too early in the morning. But I got her to get up today, and she's here with me this morning, and her name is Kim Fuchs. She has coached gymnastics for over 30 years. She has coached athletes who have been successful at all levels. And I want her to come in today to talk about coaching kids. She she primarily coaches girls, but she coaches boys, too. She's coached, you know, gymnasts forever. She and I actually worked together back in the 90s on a young lady named Catherine Fox who went to Atlanta in 1996 and won two gold medals in swimming. Uh, Catherine swam with the Kansas City Blazers, and uh, uh, Kim helped her a lot, and uh, Catherine worked with me. I was the team psychologist for the Blazers, and so... We met back that gosh, that's twenty one years ago. You'll still talk to me. I do. <laughs> <laughs> and I and the other thing that Kim and I have in common is we sit a section apart at the Chiefs games. We do. And we both do stand for the national anthem. We do stand for the national anthem. Yes, yes. And we, we have a lot of agreements on, on what's going on with that, but we won't get into the NFL today. But I wanna you thank won't you. Let me. No, no, well, <laughs> Well, we might. Okay, look, first of all, thanks for. I want to thank your husband for letting you come here this morning. <laughs> He's still in bed. It has nothing to do with him. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, thank you for being here. Yep. Um, I'm excited to do this show. And, I, I, you know, I, I've worked with kids forever, and I have seen this. This is where I'm at with this, and I want to get your opinion. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. I am seeing more pressure today on kids to be really good, be perfect at younger and younger ages. I have, I'm now seeing kids in my office who are 8, 9, and 10 years of age, which to me is absurd, but they're coming in because of pressure. They're coming in because they've been told derogatory things by coaches. They've had parents get angry at them because they're not perfect. They're not making the elite teams, and they think there's something wrong with them. And they're 8 and 9. I had a young boy a couple summers ago who was 10 years old, 9 or 10 years old, he'd played 50 baseball games before June had started. He was burned out. He was done. He didn't want to play. He wanted to go swimming. And they had more games in June, and then the coach wanted them to go to two tournaments in July, which would have ended up putting over 80 games they would have played. And the, his mom was like, he didn't want to play anymore. And I said, you know what? I do not encourage kids to quit. But in, in this situation, it's unhealthy for your son to continue. I mean, he was he was having all kinds of stress reactions. He was crying at times. I said, you know, they had like four regular season games left. I said, play those and, and then tell the coach you're not going to play in any of these tournaments. Because he had all these tournaments that he's scheduling at the last minute. You've coached for almost as long as I've been doing this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you agree with that? 
Well, I agree to a certain extent on some of it. I think different sports add different types of pressure and stress. And when you deal with parents who emotions are running high about their own children and how their children are doing and how they're doing in comparison to other children, you tend to get sometimes more stress on them than you probably should. Um, In the sport of gymnastics, which I can speak to obviously um, as more of an expert, you know, you deal with a lot of kids that are learning skill development, and certain skills can make them feel stressed out just because of the nature of our sport. Remember in gymnastics, if you master a cartwheel, then you learn to do a cartwheel with one hand, and then it becomes scary again. And then you learn to do a cartwheel with no hands, and then you learn to do the cartwheel with no hands on a balance beam. So the the um, the ways that we challenge them continue to increase as they get better at the sport. So that inherently can add some kind of stress. Um But just because a kid cries or they're nervous about it or whatever, it doesn't mean actually they're ready to quit. Um, I am not as privy to how many baseball games boys are playing or girls are playing at a young age. And I would agree that there are parents out there that tend to overdo it um, because they're trying really hard to help kids to get to their what they say is their dreams. Now, I would argue that sometimes it's the parents' dreams. So, you know, I've seen that, obviously, in my own sport. Let, let, let me interrupt yeah, right go ahead. there. Okay, so that issue right there, mm-hmm. is it the parents' dream or is it the child's dream? You have to figure it out by talking to the child, don't you think so? If you have a session with a kid, don't you kind of figure it out by talking with them? I mean, I, I have certainly, through the years, had it uh, seem to me that the parents are the ones driving the train behind this child. Um, But I've also seen kids that want it very badly. I would agree with you very much that times have changed from when I very first started coaching till now. The loyalty is different. The... um, the expectations are different. The what, kids are what, different. What, and how? How? How is it different? Well, um, you know, back back when we were just starting out, both of us, um, a parent would bring their child to you, and if they believed that you were running a good program and that you were the one that was basically in charge, they pretty much backed you on everything. Now, you could have a parent, and it's not all of them, but you could have a parent that feels like if their kid is not getting the same score as this other kid, that you must not be paying as much attention to them as you are that other kid. They can't really see the fact that there are kids that get uh, that can uh, train and become better at a skill faster, but that doesn't mean that your kid's not going to catch up later on. It's a especially in gymnastics. I always say it's a slow cook, not a fast meal. Well, and, it takes and, time. And you're coaching a sport, Kim, that. Girls do start at young ages, they and do. there's nothing wrong with that if, if, because girls it, peak at a younger age in gymnastics and, too. And there's nothing wrong start because you start, and, and, and boys and girls can be in gymnastics classes at Correct. four and five because mm-hmm. you're not coaching them to win; you're just coaching them to have fun and learn. That's skills. right, recreation, and that's what it should be. That's right. When okay, so and gymnastics has obviously gone through some changes in the last couple, well, the last ten ten years. Mm-hmm. Okay, from from all the pressures. For girls to start at young ages and be in the Olympics, the age changes and things have gone on. Okay, so what's a good age for kids to start gymnastics, having fun and learning skills? And where where does it start? the competitive part start? Okay, so I'm going to speak to two parts of your question. The first is the pressure to make the Olympics. Now, we had... 
you know, five girls this last Olympics go to the Olympics out of four million girls that do gymnastics in this sport. So I'm sorry. I'm not trying to get a kid in the Olympics, okay? I'm not that coach that's looking for that elite Olympian because it's the, the eye of that needle is extremely small. And, in fact, our sport has changed it now to the next Olympics. We'll only have four athletes. So Why? Uh, I would like to know that. In fact, I had a very long discussion with um, a guy by the name of Mike Jackie, who used to be head of the USA Gymnastics. And you know what? Nobody really knows why. It, it's it, it's it's more out of the international, the FIG, than it is out of here. We could field three teams and probably win gold, silver, and bronze. You know, so, so is it going to be four for every country? Not yeah, five? Okay, so yeah, it's not, okay. yeah. But but the other side of that is that. Um, gymnastics is very much a recreational sport and it's a very great sport to start um to get into other sports because as you said about in the 90s when we were training Catherine Fox the reason Pete Malone brought her to me was because he saw the benefits of core training from gymnastics and so I did a lot of core training with her core conditioning through the sport of gymnastics to get her stronger to be able to swim better do you know what she's doing now no I have I don't she lives in the Bay Area and she is this incredible yoga instructor. Oh, wow. She's got a whole website out there, and it, she does all this stuff, this core yoga training. So she probably got – it's probably your fault. <laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't be – I wouldn't feel bad if it was. But, yeah, she was an amazing athlete. Well, she went on to obvious. win, including two gold medals in the yeah. Olympics and I think 16 NCAA championships yeah, in swimming. Yeah, she was She's, an amazing swimmer, and what a great time that was because it was such a – it was such a cool – um, use of the sport of gymnastics to actually get somebody stronger in another sport, and that was really, really fun for me. The, you know, the fun part, and I don't, I don't know if you ever knew this, but I've got two sons. You know, you've seen them yep. at the Chiefs games. Sure. My younger son, Gregory, was, let's see, that was 96. He was five, and the parade through Roland Park, we were in, remember, in the back of these That's pickup right. trucks. That's right. Okay. I took my sons. They got to be up there, and then we are on the stage. Yep. And Gregory was so enamored with that he became a swimmer he swam all the way until his senior year in college oh how great well because, see inspiration yeah, yeah. Catherine, Catherine was an ins- the wasn't, inspiration had nothing to do with me <laughs> Catherine was an inspiration for him yeah but um so but you asked about what when they should start yes that's when they should start and you know we we start in a parent talk class with 18 month olds and people say well what can you do with them well what do you do with them you you have their parent with them helping them so they're interacting with their parent they're getting exercise. They're playing. They're playing, but they're actually getting strength, conditioning, flexibility out of it. They're playing. Okay, yeah. let me interrupt you here, Kim. Yeah. That word, playing. Yeah. It's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. I. When was the last time? Not you drove, at my gym. <laughs> well, I'm not. No. But I agree. When was the last time you drove by an elementary school and saw a bunch of kids playing? Well, without they, parents out there instructing parents them. Parents now can't let them even go out of the house to go playing. They have to schedule a play date. I mean, it, that's where we are, and it's too bad. Well, and <laughs> and my concern about that, and I've talked about this forever on this show, is. And you're almost, it's funny, you're almost reinforcing what I've said. Mm-hmm. I think we are going to have competition for pregnant women. I think we're getting to that point. I mean, you've got 18, your 18-month-olds in your, in your gym, and you're not competing. You're just no, doing things. No, it's but, just fun. Right. But we're getting to the point where we're, we're so competitive with everything. We've got to start younger and younger ages. But we don't see kids playing at grade schools. Now, when I grew up, I, I grew up in Millhaven, Mohawk School, which is no longer there. I live three houses up from the school. We'd go up there and play football and baseball until it got dark. We played basketball at my house because I had the wraparound driveway. We we did it starting when I was in 
fourth, third, fourth grade, right? Second grade, we played until high school. We weren't worried, you know, people weren't worried about us getting kidnapped or things like that, which right. are obviously major concerns today. Right, and some kids just are inherently competitive. I mean, I tell you, I have six brothers and sisters. I love them all. But I'm telling you right now, I'm the most competitive of all of them. My sisters sometimes look at me and I'm like, where did you come from? You know, because I and wanted to be you, the first you, one how, here this morning, right? Yes. I mean, I had to be the first one here. How That's do you answer that part question? part of it. I am competitive. I am. I, I, I have been that way all my life. I don't know where it came from, but it is something that's inherently in me. Well, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. I like because, it, but so I you channel like to, it the right way, okay. too. You like to win. I like to win. But if you lose... But it's not everything to me, right. If you lose, the world hasn't stopped. And I learn a lesson. You always learn a lesson from losing. There, well, if, when you read my book, you'll see that. Okay, okay our third chapter is called Embracing Failure Can Lead to Fun. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every Sunday morning, and we talk about the mental side of sports on this show. Today, I'm lucky enough to have this young lady named Kim Fuchs in the, off, in the office, in, the, in, the, in my <laughs> office, in our radio office with me. And we're talking about youth sports. We're talking about what she does coaching kids. And I want to open up our phone lines. If you have a young child that you're interested in getting started in a sport, it could be gymnastics, it could be baseball, whatever, but you're wondering what age should I get them started. Kim is an expert to talk to. She's coached for over 30 years. She understands the sport of gymnastics, obviously. She's a huge Chiefs fan as well. And I want to get some calls in here. Find out if you're a parent, you're coaching, you're, you, you've got a child, you want to get started in a sport. You're wondering when should I get them started? What are the issues I need to deal with? It's a great time to call in. Our number is 913-3810-810. 913-3810-810. Here's, here's, let me ask you this question. Okay. Winning and losing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Their results... I have, I have a, a, a saying, foe versus four. Focus on execution versus focus on results. We spend so much time on results. We sp- spend so much time on did we win? Did we come in first place? Did, what score did we get? We don't spend enough time on the effort and the execution. Let's face it. In a competition, one girl's going to come in first place. But the girl that could come in eighth place could have done the best she's ever done. Correct. And she could be successful. That's right. How do you coach that? Well, I don't go for the scores, and anybody that knows me and has been on my team knows that I don't go for the scores. I watch the girls. I see what they've improved on or they still need work on. I go for the the execution um, as my guide as to where they are because that's exactly right. You know, you have the one kid who's put in so much effort, but she just doesn't have it to win that day, and you have to make them feel as important as the one that maybe wins the gold medal that particular day. So so the girl that goes into the competition with these high expectations of herself and her performance mm-hmm. and then for whatever reason doesn't accomplish that, mm-hmm. doesn't do it, mm-hmm. how do you work with them to overcome that? How do you get them to deal with that? Well, you know as well as I do that you don't win anything. I mean, you don't learn anything by winning all the time, right? You win all the time. It's just easy and you never think of anything you need to perfect on because you're winning. And when you lose, you tend to step back. Now, parents don't like to lose. Parents get upset about losing. Oh, my gosh, they must need more private lessons. Oh, my gosh, you probably need to spend more time with them. Oh, And, you know, quite honestly, a lot of times it's the kid needs to refocus on the things that they were having trouble with. And so 
it, it, you learn a lot from that losing, and it doesn't bother me to be the one. Now, obviously, we all coach to win. Let's not be crazy. Well, being that, we you're, always, being that you're super competitive, I'm I am sure competitive. you do. I am competitive, but I also understand that it takes a certain amount. When I was a gymnast, Andy, I was not the very best gymnast, but I was decent. I was decently good. I started late. I have kids that have started late that are doing very, very well. But at the beginning, when they go against kids that started when they were five and were sort of earmarked for the competitive program, you have to, there's a certain amount of time before you're going to be there. So, so Kim, define winning and losing for me. I can't. I mean, I think losing can be winning too, so I can't define it. I do believe... You just just did, though. I do do believe that you... You like to win the gold medals. Everybody likes to walk away with the gold medals. Um, But I tell my kids all the time, anybody in the top 10 at a competition that's given their all is probably as much the winner as anything. Because in our sport, it's there's such a small variance between first and whatever. Well, and you and you being a gymnastics coach are coaching a subjective sport. So you are right. So I always talk about gymnastics, figure skating and diving are are these subjective sports yep. where you can go out and you can stick your landing on your vault and the and the judges give you a terrible score and it's not fair because you know it was better so that's where to me the internal belief you have that that you as a coach have to teach these kids what did i get out you know to me and and the, and the gymnasts i've worked with over the years i've got one right now who's 14 who's got five colleges she wants to go to and she's being recruited and she's already gone on college visits as a freshman. And I'm like, look, you've got plenty of time. Yeah, this is another problem that's come up with the NCAA, obviously, because everybody's trying to get the best kids. They've started recruiting younger and younger. And that's and the, what pres- happens, that's you the have pressure. S- that's, that's the whole right. this, that's this whole pressure thing that we're dealing that's with with right. kids. And and see, the kids are feeling it. Mm-hmm. And then there's the pressure on the parents. Well, we got to get started earlier. That's right. And that's the... That's the whole big problem we've got. When you have kids in sixth grade asking what they need to do about getting, making sure that their child gets a college scholarship, you know you have when that was kind the, of pressure in our sport. When was the last time you got asked that question? Uh, yesterday. Yesterday? <laughs> yeah. What, tell, yeah. T- don't, obviously don't tell so, us who it is, but tell us what happened. No, it's okay. You know, I, I, I have some very talented kids on my team, and, and, and a couple of them, their parents were asking me, um, what you know? What they need to be thinking about as far as college, and I just told them. I said, you know, what age? What age are they? They're only thirteen. One's twelve and one's thirteen, so they're young, but they're but they're talented, and they've already seen that their their kids are going to do very well, and so you know they're wondering what that and and it's a natural question. That's, Neither one of wrong. them were pressuring me in any way. They just it was a natural question. But to me, I I I I. I I miss the days when the kids could be, you know, uh, going on their recruiting trips in their junior and senior years rather than worrying about eighth grade, you know? Well, I don't think there's anything wrong at that age for parents to be asking you. Asking. It's, it's an inquisitive that's right. issue. Well, you know, gee, we're pretty, she's pretty good. Yeah. Is there a chance? That's fine. Right. But had you, have you ever had it from five and six and seven year olds? No, well, I haven't. I can't say I've had any personal experience of that. But you've probably heard about it before. I haven't. I actually haven't. Not that young. Not that young. But I do have parents that seriously, they'll get into a Mighty Munchkin beginner class, and they're scouting gyms to see which one is the best. You know, my kid's not getting that cartwheel fast enough. I better see if another gym could teach it faster. You know, that kind of thing. So the competitive nature of our society 
has definitely moved down to younger ages. I think so. Yeah, I think and, so. And in some ways, competition is is healthy. Right. But in the right way, if it's how it's coached. That's correct. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every Sunday morning from seven to eight a.m. This morning, I'm fortunate enough to have a young lady by the name of Kim Fuchs in here with me. I'm not talking to myself for once. I get to talk with someone. And it's it's a pleasure to have her here. She's a gymnastics coach. She's been coaching gymnastics here in Kansas City for over 30 years. She's at Eagles Gymnastics in, in uh, Kansas, South Kansas City. And I'd like to encourage you to give us a call. If you are a parent and you have a son or daughter you want to get involved in sports or they're involved in youth sports, you want to know how to make the experience a learning positive one, this is a great person to talk to as well as myself. Our number here is 913-3810-810. If you have a daughter who's in gymnastics, you've got some questions about gymnastics and becoming more successful, give us a call. 913-3810-810 is the number. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and we're on the leader in sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Good morning, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to our show here in Sports Radio 810 WHB. I'm here every Sunday from 7 to 8 a.m. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. And today I'm talking with gymnastics coach Kim Fuchs. She's been coaching gymnastics at Eagles Gymnastics in South Kansas City for over 30 years. And we're discussing youth sports, as you know, a topic I like to talk about on this show every week. And we'd like to hear from you. If you are have a, a child who is playing youth sports, and you've got some questions about maybe the coaches, maybe the experience, are they having fun, are they not enjoying it, are they enjoying it a lot, I'd like to hear from you. If, you. if you want to get your child in gymnastics, this is the expert in town to talk to. Our number is 913-3810-810. 913-3810-810. Now, let's talk about parents. Okay. Okay. Tell me a tell us a story about a parent you had in the gym that was too pushy, too demanding, had too high of expect. You're smiling, too high of expect. <laughs> you're trying to figure out which one. No, no. I mean, honestly, I I must have had a very good experience. I have had very few parent problems, but I'm. But I'm, you've had some. Of course. Everybody has some. Everybody has something where the, I'm telling you, Andy, when you have the emotions of a parent that are that are trying to do the very best for their child and their child is worried about something going on in the gym, whatever it is, whether it's a skill or a meet or whatever is coming up, um, emotions run high and parents' emotions run high. And I can tell you about kids that have been with me forever where, you know, their parents' emotions run high. Um, but you just talk to them, and you can usually get them to understand what's going on. It's like anything else. They have to understand what the situation is. But do I think there's parents that push their kids? Of course I do. Of course I've seen it. I just can't really tell you one specific incident where I feel like, oh, my gosh, that parent was crazy. I mean, I, I, I can't. But you've heard about it from other coaches. Oh, sure. I mean, of course. And, you know, there are, I, I, I think, just like anything, you have to get your kid into the place you believe in the most because we're all, in gymnastics anyway, we're all coaching the exact same thing. It's just you have to get them into an environment that works for you. And if you get an environment where you trust the coaches and it works for you, there's going to be ups and downs. I mean, uh, every parent, when they want their kid to clean their room, is going to get on them about cleaning the room. So the coach is going to get on them about 
doing the wrong thing in the gym or the right thing in the gym. And that's all part of the process. We spend, I spend more time with some of these kids than their parents do a week because of just the nature of our sport and having to be in there 20 hours a week or 15 hours a week, depending upon the level. So, you know, it, 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 uh, it makes it so you're almost their second home, their second family. I've been working with gymnasts since grad school. My mm-hmm. uh, Last year in grad school, I did my internship at San Diego State with the men's tennis team and women's gymnastics team, which is the first time I really got involved with gymnastics. There are two words, and I've worked with gymnasts my whole career. There are two words that, to me, when it comes to gymnasts who come into my office that always come up, fear and confidence, Mm -hmm. right? Those are two things that are the biggest things in our sport. Yeah, so so let's talk about fear, Mm -hmm. all right? I, I always tell gymnasts, you're in a sport where you're putting a body in a position that it's not supposed to be in. You know, I mean, name it, another sport where you have to go upside down. You don't do it in football, diving. baseball, correct. But there's very few sports where you have to do that and you have to be able to get yourself back to your feet. Now, in diving, if you mess up, you land in a pool of water. Yes, it doesn't, can, maybe doesn't, smack it maybe good. doesn't feel very good. But you get upside down in gymnastics and take the wrong move. Things can happen that you really don't want to happen. So how do so, you, how do you coach? It's there. A, how do you coach a young girl to overcome fear? Incremental, be, be, be. incremental, um, incremental ways of moving from one thing to the other. In other words, in gymnastics, you learn the very basic, and then you build upon it little bits at a time. So to get, overcome fear on anything, say you want to just take a skill on beam, say a back walkover on the beam. Very much a tell, level tell, tell five our listener, skill. Tell our li- listeners what a back walkover back is. Back walkover on the beam, you stand on the beam, you arch your back and put your hands on the beam and then kick your feet over. So it's a skill that actually has no flight but is a, is a back bend to a kick over on top of the just, beam. Now, just flipping back over but your hand yeah, is on the beam. The hands are on the beam. Now, in our sport, you know, the balance beam already in itself is a, is a difficult event because they make it look very easy. That's the trick. But it is four inches wide, and depending upon the level of the kid, it could be anywhere from their waist to their shoulders in height, depending upon the levels and the, and the skill development. So it's a, it's a hard thing to learn. But you, what you do is you take incremental um, learning sk- to learn the skill, incremental moves. So she's going to go from the floor to the low beam to a fatter beam to a higher beam you know and then we just bring her up very very slowly so you're not so people can understand you're not starting and the typical beam is how how high above the ground it just depends on the child but, but I mean, most com- cases it's a it's waist to shoulder high on most gymnasts okay so that you're going to start high level competitive but you're going to start with with beams that may be on very the ground very small maybe, yeah, very maybe short. start when you start teaching them the beam is actually on the on yeah the floor. and in actuality in our gym the very first beam that we put them on is about a foot wide and it's sitting on the floor and then they go to a four inch beam and then we take them to a four inch beam with mats stacked up underneath it and then we start to pull the mats out little by little okay so so what are the typical fears that a lot of girls missing their hands missing their feet you know of course they're worried about what's what's going to happen if they don't do it correctly and the biggest the biggest thing that that kids worry about is they can do it perfectly on the beam on the floor they can do it perfectly with the mat stacked all the way under but as you start to pull the mats out they're afraid something's going to happen so the what what are they afraid of missing their hands missing their feet whatever might be in their own head. So, do you, so let me ask this question because I've never seen you coach before. Mm-hmm. But 
do you have them do do you tell them to do that sometimes to see what it feels like so what i do is i start to pull the mats out well the beam doesn't change so if they're making it perfectly with all the mats underneath the beam the beam doesn't change just because the mats are being pulled out so what you do is you you try to get them to go as you pull the mats out to where they're up on the normal height beam and if they if they push back on you at any time, you add mats back in and then you do it again. You just take them slow until some kids it takes less time, some kids it takes more. It just depends on the, the child. What's the difference? What do you think the difference I is? I honestly with that believe whole issue? it's the word you just use, confidence. I think mm-hmm. gymnastics needs a lot of confidence. You know, I don't I don't know about soccer or baseball and how much confidence you need to run the bases, but in gymnastics, you have to believe you can make it and then the, the fear subsides the more you do. Obviously, the more you do, the less you're worried about it. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As you know, I'm here every Sunday from 7 to 8 a.m. Joining me this morning is gymnastics coach Kim Fuchs. She's been coaching gymnasts for over 30 years in Kansas City. We're talking about coaching kids, and we'd like to encourage you to call in. No one's called in yet. I know when I interview someone, people like to listen to the interview. But if you have a child who is in a youth sport, doesn't matter what the sport is, but you'd like to talk about their fears or their anxieties or what's going on with them. If you're interested in getting your child involved in a sport, this is a perfect time to talk to Kim and ask some questions as well as to myself. Our number is 913-3810-810. 913-3810-810. If you were a gymnast, great time to call in and you can ask us a question as well. What was that experience like? Now, the topic of confidence. Mm-hmm. I, I always ask this question. Do you have to be confident to be successful or do you have to be successful to be confident? Well, those are two types of confidence, don't you think? I mean, I think you need the confidence to be able to master in my sport the skills that it takes to be able to compete. But as you compete them and you and you continue to do them well, your confidence grows. So to me, it's two types of confidence, but they're both basically the same thing. They they, they fit together. Correct. But which one in the end maybe needs to be more important? Well, I, you know, more important at what time? In other words, I think the confidence, I think the confidence you need to be successful comes in first. And then the confidence from being successful is the second part of that puzzle. Well, and that's why to me, I think it's about if you have confidence and you fail, you'll be disappointed, but it's okay because, hey. I feel good about myself, but if you have to be successful to be confident, what happens if you fail then? Yeah. Where's your confidence go? Yeah. yeah. So that's why to me, that ability to believe in yourself, which, and that's why it, it, in our book, the third chapter, we call, as I said, embracing failure can lead to fun. I don't think we coach kids today to learn how to fail and screw up nearly as well as we used to. I'm not saying in your situation, but in general, because... These expectations are there to be the best at such young ages, and you've got to do this, and you've got to do that, and you've got to succeed because you've got to move up. Well, what our society really is teaching kids is that they have to almost pick a sport, pick a sport early, get very good at it if they want a chance to do it in college. I mean, it used to be boys could play three, four sports, and I'm only saying boys as compared to girls because you know I'm the first one to admit girls can do anything boys can do. But back in the day, they well, didn't that's have a, as, that's another show they didn't have as many choices. Now they do have more choices, and girls are doing more things, but they're making them pick one sport in order to be able to get a 
college scholarship. You have to be really good at that sport, and it's hard to be good at anything. You're not playing year-round. So you can't play basketball in the fall and football and, or whatever, however those go it, in different seasons anymore. You have to play them almost year-round. You just read, read my mind because that yeah. was the next question I was going to ask yeah. you, sports specialization. Now, being a gymnastics coach, mm-hmm. Obviously, gymnastics requires a tremendous amount of time. It's what, sport. four to five hours in the gym every day, right? Something like that. I mean, how many hours? I mean, girls. My girls go four hours at max. Um, we did do a five-hour practice this summer, four days for five hours. And actually, it was really great because they got three days off on the weekend. and It was fabulous. But in the school year, we can't do that because they need to get home and get their homework done and things like that. So well, four hours. Yep. So let's get into this specialization stuff, Kim. Okay. Um, and you hit it on the head. You know, when I grew up, I'm 60, I'm almost 63, which just doesn't make sense. But Let's I, not but, discuss that. Well, I'm older than you. Though. Yes, you are. Okay. Not, not much. <laughs> but okay. But here, here's the deal. When, when, and and I, I talk about this a lot in this show, but, you know, when I grew up, you didn't play one sport year round all the time. You Correct. played a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. Today, there's this pressure to specialize in a sport at a young age. You just play that sport year round. We're seeing an, a tremendous increase in young athletes getting sports injuries from overuse, repetitive use. Dr. Steve Joyce, who wrote our chapter in our book about this, and I, who was the Royals team, team physician, orthopedic surgeon forever, until a few years ago, we've talked about it extensively. He's seeing, young, he's seeing, 10 and, he's seeing 12, 11-year-olds in his office with Tommy John surgery now because they've been pitching so much. It's ridiculous. It's a, it's a result. It's a result of the fact that our sports have grown to such a level. Look at Olympics in 1996 and look at the Olympics now in the sport of gymnastics and look at the growth of the skill development in gymnastics. Look at a baseball player from the 80s to now. Look at, you know, um, any of the specialized sports, diving, any of those specialized sports. And everything's gotten bigger. And so you have to train more year-round to be competitive in your actual sport anymore. And so that's well, where, what's driving it. Where is, where is that healthy to do? And where is it unhealthy? To well, do? I, don't, I don't know about everything. Luckily, with the sport of gymnastics, I'm in a sport where there's so much different things that go on. I mean, there's, first of all, four events. And then there's lots that go on with those four events. There's dance on floor. There's tumbling on floor. There's... You know, all kinds of different things that you do. So we have a very varied types of workouts. I mean, those four hours, we're only spending a a small amount of time on any one thing. That doesn't mean we don't get repetitive uh, injuries. I'm not saying that, but we spend a lot lot less time. I am assuming that in sports like baseball, if you're you're learning to hit, you're doing one thing for a long period of time or pitch. Okay, so you you just hit on something interesting. In gymnastics... You're doing four different events, and mm-hmm. they're they're very different events. Very different events. So that would be events. like doing four different sports. Mm-hmm. It is. So it's different. The floor, beam, bars, yeah. vault, they're all different yeah. things. So you're doing different things using different parts of your body for that. So there's the healthy part about that. Yeah. Okay. And And our sport has grown so much. You walk into a gym and tell me where you see one inch of floor showing it's all matted there's pits there's trampolines the impact on your body is when i did gymnastics the impact on the body was much more because we didn't have all the big time uh equipment that we have now and what what injury what surgeries have. or injuries have did you have from none gymnastics? none zero that's why you're looking great uh, <laughs> thank this, you even this early in the morning okay <laughs> thank you i'm sports psychologist dr andrew jacobs my guest this morning is 
gymnastics coach, Kim Fuchs. She's been coaching gymnasts for over 30 years in Kansas City. And as I said earlier, if you'd like to call in, you have a question about getting your child involved in youth sports, gym, gymnastics or whatever, great opportunity to call in and ask a question. Our number is 913-3810-810. Now, your sport, and, and I want to address this too, has, has obviously had a lot of criticism lately. You have the situation with the team doctor that was uh, with, with who's under all this scrutiny now, all these Olympic gymnasts all the way down, national team members say there was inappropriate stuff going on with him. There's been a lot of criticism in gymnastics with Bella Caroli and Marta Caroli, coaches that we both know about as well. Locally, there have been a lot of criticism with a lot of coaches pushing girls too far. Okay. What's going on? And USA Gymnastics is going through that. I think, who did they just fire the executive? Who, who did they just fire recently? You know, you're really speaking to something I have absolutely no knowledge of. I wish I could help you with this one, but I don't. I have just, I don't know enough about this part of the sport to be able to speak to it with any kind of expertise. But but there have been issues. You, you're aware of that. I, I am aware of that issue that you're speaking of right now. Um, nothing's been obviously settled yet. Uh, it's obviously still going on. Right, so, still in yeah, court with this yeah, guy. Yeah, okay. so I don't know the finals. But if you had a parent come in and ask about, you know, where's the point as a coach that, you know, because coach abuse is something that I've dealt with a lot in, in my career. Where, you know, where's the point where, where a parent says, how far can you push my child, and where's the point where you have to back off? Have you ever had something like that come to you before? I have not, but I will tell you USAG, or USA Gymnastics now, um, is, is, very, is working very much towards the pro on this. And, you know, they've, as I've been a coach from the young days up to now, there's lots of ways we have to take courses in order to continue our certification because of where I was and coaching elite gymnastics and high level level 10 national kids um, I came in kind of grandfathered at the high level but I have still taken all the courses just so I'm aware of what's going on and the newest one is safe sport and it and it basically is set up so that people can notice any kind of abuse going on in their gym I'm very lucky I've had a really great staff through the years and um, so we have not experienced necessarily any of these things, but we um, we believe very much in running a gym where everything's open. Parents are allowed to come in the gym. They're not pushed out the door and closed behind a door. They're in the gym watching practice, seeing what you know whatever they want. Although our team parents don't really stay, but they can if they wish to. Well, that's okay. So if you're a parent and your daughter is in gymnastics and it's it's a like I said, it's a very time consuming sport. You said it could be four to five hours a day. Mm -hmm. Okay. How do you get these kids? Now, look, look, the, t the typical child is in school from 8 to 3. Mm -hmm. Okay. They'll come home and then come to the gym. They're in the gym. For, what, are, what are the hours typically when girls are at Well, the in gym? our gym, it's, it's different. And in a lot of gyms, it has become this way where your upper level girls, the girls I coach, actually come from school a little bit early and get there around 2.30. So they only have to stay till 6.30. And then they go home and do their homework, and they're able to go to school the next day. And then our younger ones, our ones that are up and coming in the competitive program, they'll come a little later. So they will come home from school, have dinner, do their homework, and come to the gym at 6 o'clock or 5.30 and spend a couple of hours or three hours. So when you have a girl, and I've never asked this question before, but, but let's say you've got a girl who's got a very demanding academic uh, uh, caseload of stuff at school. They all do. 
Well, but but let's say she's got three tests tomorrow and they're big tests, and she says, "Coach, I've got I've got to study." I mean, what do you do with that situation? Go home. So it's fine. Absolutely fine. I just did it last week. You know, so all of these kids, especially in gymnastics, you know, it takes a certain amount of intellect to do the sport at a high level. And I will tell you right now that I would guess that 99% of my girls in my upper level program are on their honor rolls at school. They're completely, totally A students all the way down the well, line. But, it, but that's, that's, so but they're smart. Isn't, but isn't that usually with gymnasts? If you take a, a, a collegiate gymnastics team, Aren't those ki- those young ladies usually pretty in our bright? sport? They're very bright. They have to be to do our sport, and so they they are very good at managing their time, getting everything done, and making sure that they have time to do everything. But once in a while, and I had one last, and I had one last week that, um, you know, that was stressing about some th- classes at school, and I looked at her and I said, you know what, go home. And you know what? Her mom sent me a text later and said, thank you so much. That was the perfect thing for her, and it's absolutely what I would do every time. One of the words, Kim, that, that I seem to find comes out in, in inevitably with, with the high school athletes that I work with and older is the word balance. Mm-hmm. Okay? How do you balance everything out? Mm-hmm. Um, I get these young ladies who are gymnasts that I see who feel this pressure. I've got to, I can't miss a day at the gym. I've got to be there. I've got to be there all the time. I've got all this extra schoolwork. Um, and I sit there and say, well, let, let's talk. I have one of the things I like to have my clients do is write out on a piece of paper a list of their issues, issues in your life. Yeah, there's there's gym, if there's a gymnast, let's say gymnastics, family, school, sleep, eating, you know, social life. Like, you know, you, you have to have a way to find time for all these things. Different gyms run their programs differently. There are there is no doubt that there are gyms where kids feel like they absolutely cannot miss. There's also And where kids, where is that where is that unhealth? Why why see in my opinion that's unhealthy. In my opinion it is too. That's why I do not run my gym like that. But they also kids get that impression. There's times when kids feel like, "Well, I don't want to. I should be training. I need to train." And I look at them and say, no, you don't. You need to go home and take care of these tests so you feel better tomorrow, and it always works out. You know, so, yeah, I think, I think that um, there's, there's different training for, for different gyms. Okay. Along the lines of that, I, one of the things that, that, that I have emphasized forever is the importance of communication. Correct. And the openness to have the opportunity for parents to come talk to you as a coach. Agree. Okay. There are a lot of coaches, though, that don't do that. There are. I don't want to talk to you. I'm just talking to your daughter. You have an issue. You have to talk to me a certain time later. Agreed. Don't come to me in the gym. I don't want you in here. Whatever. What's your philosophy on communication with parents? I talk to them at all times. Now, sometimes if I'm in the middle of practice, we need to schedule a time. But even before and after practice, I will go out into the lobby and talk to the parents. So I am very open to it. They have open communication with me. They all have my cell phone. I publish my cell phone number. They can call me or text me at any time. Okay. I think that's really important. Now, that doesn't mean they always do, by the way. Well. It's still tough sometimes for parents to even communicate. But it, it's, you know, it's well, you're a very You're a very dynamic woman, okay? You're, you're very expressive. You're very outgoing. So you probably are intimidating to some parents. Probably. Because you're very confident and mm-hmm. strong-willed, okay? So I'm sure you've picked up on that. Absolutely. I, as I always say, a good coach is a good psychologist. A bad coach needs to come see me. <laughs> but but the fact of the matter is, your personality is very strong. So 
Have you picked up sometimes that there might be some parents that might be a little bit intimidated Absolutely. by that? Absolutely. So how do you handle that? I try to put them as much at ease as I can. And most, most typically, when parents are like that, and I can tell, once we have a conversation, they will say to me, oh, my gosh, this was much easier than I thought. And I'd say, that's right. I really, really do like to make things easier because it is definitely a triangle with the kid, the coach, and the parent. And you know that, and I know that. And we need to have a village working with these kids. Okay. I can't believe our interview is, is basically over here. We've talked oh. for a whole hour. Yeah, it doesn't seem like no, it. No, I know. This has been great. <laughs> I, um, people want to get a hold of you. They want to get their kids involved in gymnastics. How do they find you? How do they reach you? Give some information. After so, uh, obviously, we have a website, www.eaglesgymnastics.com. They can also call the office at 816-941-9529. And you, we, do, we run a year-round program, so you can join at any time. And... As far as you're concerned, what's the youngest age kids can start with you? Well, they can start at, at 12 months with their parent in a parent and taught class. So we take them very young. And up to what age? Uh, we have them up to 18. Usually by then they're either off to college or on a college scholarship somewhere. Listen, this has been awesome. You've been yeah. great. Uh, this interview has been awesome. You're going to come back in here again. Oh, Sorry, thanks. your husband's <laughs> going to have to let you get out of bed and come in here early again. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, but we're going to talk again because I think you've, you've given some great information this morning, and I want to thank you so much for coming in here today. Sure. Kim Fuchs, Eagles Gymnastics, South Kansas City. If you want to get your child involved in, gymnast, in gymnastics to learn about becoming a good gymnast, this is the lady to talk to. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As you know, I'm here every Sunday from 7 to 8 a.m. Our show, <clears throat> boy, I've got a, that frog in my throat. Mm-hmm. Our, our shows are podcasted here at the station. Go to 810WHB.com, click on additional programming, and then go to the podcast. You can also find them on my website, which is winnersunlimited.com. Send me an email at drj at winnersunlimited.com. Follow me on Twitter at, at drjsportspsych. You can also reach me at my office at 816-561-5556. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and we're on the leader in sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB.